All right, thank you so much for being here. Please find your seats and take your Bibles, take your notes. Let's go ahead and stand and turn our Bibles to Psalm chapter number 27. Look around you, please. See if, see if somebody needs a Bible. Share your Bibles with them. Psalm chapter number 27. If you just walked in here and uh, you, didn't miss, uh, you, you didn't hear my announcement earlier, the bathrooms are not working in the Heritage Center, so don't use the restrooms here, all right? Uh, the, the restrooms that you can use are found next door in the building, in the main building. Uh, please walk over there. Uh, don't use the restrooms here, amen? And uh, the staff's going to end up being cleaning after you guys, and we don't want any of that, okay? Psalm 27. Good to see you here tonight. Looking forward to how God will use the message to be an encouragement to you. Thankful for pastor entrusting the opportunity to preach to our congregation. I always get nervous when I preach, but I'm thankful for every time that I do as I get to share with you all what God has been teaching me. And uh, Pastor Ashley gave me this chapter to preach on, and I hope that it will be a blessing to you. I know it's been a blessing to me as I've studied this, and I, I hope that God will speak to all of us tonight. Psalm chapter 27, if you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible says, a Psalm of David... The Lord is my light and my salvation. I mean, you can stop there and praise the Lord for that, amen? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me up upon a, fl- or upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When thou said, seek, my, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will, I, will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted, unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I draw your attention to verse number four. In fact, I'd ask that if you could read this verse with me, and I'm going to give you some words to highlight or underline or write in your notes, as it will be the subject of our message tonight. Verse number four, read it out loud with me, if you would, please. Ready? Begin. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Notice in verse number 4, the phrase, the house of the Lord. And then also in verse number 4, notice the word temple. In verse number 5, notice the word pavilion. And also in verse number 5, notice the word tabernacle. Again in verse number 6, He uses the word tabernacle. 
Tonight we're going to study this subject entitled Homesick. Homesick. Understanding why I and why you need church. Let's have a word of prayer and let's ask God to bless this message tonight. Lord, thank you so much for today. Please speak to our hearts. We commit this service to you. I pray for every Christian and every believer, Lord, that they would have a renewed passion, a renewed excitement, and renewed gratitude towards the church of God. We pray, Lord, for anybody here who's not saved and they're lost, whether they've been attending this church for a long time or whether, Lord, they're here for the very first time. We pray for them to understand their need for Jesus Christ. We pray for them, Lord, uh, to be saved tonight, that they would not leave this place without knowing for sure that heaven's their home. For all of us here tonight, Lord, revive us, draw us closer to you. We pray, Lord, for me that I ask that you'd help me, guide my thoughts, guide my words, calm my nervousness. I pray, Lord, that everything that I say will come from me. I'll come from you. And I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me and empower me. And, and Lord, I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. Be with us tonight and meet with us. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. How many of you have ever been homesick? Can I see your hand? Good, quite a few of you. Most people do not like being away from home for lengthy periods of time. Uh, people miss their house. Uh, people like sleeping in their own bed. I know that's one thing for me when I was in Bible college. Uh, people uh, enjoy eating home-cooked meals. When you're in a cafeteria time after time, it just gets stale and you don't, get, uh, you, don't, you don't enjoy it anymore. And so people look forward to going back home eating home-cooked meals. Uh, people enjoy spending time with their pets. In fact, uh, people who go study abroad or whatever, they, well, they can't wait to get their pets back and their pets are even longing for the time to be reunited with their owner. People just enjoy being around their family. And like I said, I really uh, didn't get mu- uh, homesick much in Bible college. I, I did, uh, you know, wish that I had some more Filipino food throughout our college, uh, uh, you know, Bible college time. Uh, but I do remember uh, quite f- uh, frequently where uh, I had an internship after I graduated. In 2012, I had traveled to uh, the East Coast in Pennsylvania. And for six months, I was there uh, from uh, from um, April to about uh, October, November time. And, and so we were, I was there interning for church and I remember uh, I would just get homesick and I remember that I was missing my family I was missing my niece and uh, my niece was uh, such a cute baby at the time and she's still cute now but I just uh, didn't want to lose uh, opportunity to see her grow up and then obviously I miss my uh, then girlfriend but now wife cat and I'm thankful that now you know we don't have to do that long distance and I don't know if you guys ever had long distance in your relationships but man it was a dread it was, it was horrible and so I got homesick a lot being homesick is a common occurrence It occurs with students who study out of town, out of state, or abroad. It occurs when families leave their home country to move somewhere else, hoping to establish a new life. It occurs when athletes travel repeatedly with their team. It occurs with soldiers who are stationed away from families, uh, away from their families and away from their home. You know, there's something special about home. And I hope tonight you're thankful for your home. Um, I hope tonight that you're thankful for the memories that fill uh, your mind when you think about the word home. Home is where the heart is, some have said. Home has many sentimental value and home is an important part of life. As a Christian, have you ever been homesick for your church? You ever go to work on Monday or to classes in that week and you just find yourself wishing, daydreaming, thinking about you being at church? 
You know, I hear people that when they're at work, they're daydreaming about being on a boat, casting their line, fishing. They're daydreaming about their vacation and stuff like that. You hear about students, can't, you know, the moment fall starts, they're already thinking about Christmas break. And when Christmas break is over and they get back to school, uh, next thing you know, they're already looking for spring break and summer break. And they're just thinking and they're wishing to be somewhere else. Well, as a Christian, when you're not at church, do you ever find yourself wanting desiring, longing to be in church. You see, here in Psalm chapter number 27, if you summarize the passage that we just read, you could summarize and restate David's psalm in three words. I need church. I need church. I hope that tonight as a Christian that this statement... This passage reflects your life and attitude about church. You see, all of us need to follow Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 where it says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Here in Psalm chapter number 27, David pours out his heart in this psalm, reflecting about his need and his desire to be in the house of God. Now in the Old Testament, we know that the house of God was in the tabernacle as the nation of Israel would travel from place to place. And then when David came along and his son was able to establish the temple of Solomon there for the Lord, uh, they were able to find a place where they would worship God permanently. But here in the New Testament where we are in, and I'm thankful to be in the New Testament, I'm thankful that we don't have to pray over or that we don't have to avoid eating pork, amen? I love my bacon. I love uh, my pork belly, right? Especially being a Filipino, I love that fatty uh, piece of pork and I can't stay away from that. So I'm thankful that I'm in the New Testament. I'm not withheld from eating that. But here in the New Testament, we are privileged to be a part of God's house, which is called the local New Testament church. And tonight we're going to study three reasons why it's important to be in church. Three lessons of why you and I need Church. Number one, as you're taking notes, notice with me first and foremost, a desired establishment. A desired establishment. When you study in the New Testament, the Bible mentions three homes that every person should have. And if you know our pastor, these are the things that he often says uh, to people that are not saved and that he tries to present the gospel to. And so notice with me the three establishments that are presented in the Bible that we all need to have and look forward uh, to, 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 uh, to, to be enjoying. First and foremost, notice with me a heavenly home. We all need a heavenly home. Second Corinthians, we read about Paul in his epistle there to the Corinth and how he says in chapter 5 verse 1, For we know that if, if our earthly house, this earthly tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. He's talking about his physical body. If so, that be, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked, for that for we that are in his tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would have the, uh, be unclothed, but be clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the same self thing is, is God, who hath also given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing this, whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. 
We are confident, I say. Now notice what Paul says here. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What Paul was saying here is this. He says, I would rather be willing to be with the Lord than to be here on earth. Now, if you have some physical ailment, if you have uh, some handicaps, if you have some physical disabilities, and then, then for sure you really understand that in heaven, man, it's going to be glorious when those ailments are gone. It's going to be glorious when you don't, you don't need that, uh, that cane to walk with that. That, that push uh, that walker to uh, to use when you're walking it, it'll be a glorious day when you don't need glasses anymore or contact lenses and your eyes don't hurt anymore it'll be a glorious day when you don't have to battle with cancer or you don't have to battle with migraines and such and so this body that we have here is tainted with sin it's corrupted with sin and so we have these physical ailments but when we get to heaven all of those will be gone and as Paul was reminiscing about his own life the beatings that he's experienced the persecution the scars, the bruises. He says, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. Do you ever feel like that, Christian? You ever feel like you need to just sort of uh, find the time to uh, just uh, think about what heaven's going to look like and what heaven's going to be like and uh, find the opportunity to think about your home there in heaven? The opportunity to be a citizen of this celestial city has been given to all men. I'm thankful that heaven is promised to all men who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. You see, all of us who uh, understand that we are a sinner in need of a Savior can place our faith in Jesus Christ and by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that we are given eternal life. Here we find on earth that we are, our sinful nature separates us from God, but the moment we get saved, God promises not only to place us in heaven, uh, so, uh, not only to place us in His family, but to promise us heaven someday. If you're saved and heaven is your home, then remember that this world is not your home, amen? You're just passing through. Can I encourage you believers and Christians, don't get comfortable in this world. I get worried when Christians get comfy here. I get worried when Christians are spending too much time doing worldly things rather than godly things. I get worried when Christians are spending too much time in the world that they don't have time for God or the church. I get worried when a Christian shows more affection for worldly things rather than that of spiritual things. Can I remind you tonight that this world is temporal? It's going to pass away. Look at your cell phones. Look at your cars, look at your homes, look at your clothes. Everything in this world is temporal. Kingdoms will pass by. Uh, presidents will die off. Uh, kings and queens will all pass off into the scene. This world is temporal. You cannot take your money with you into eternity. This world is temporal. It won't last forever. It will be burned and it will be dissolved. This world is not only temporal, but notice that this world is also tainted. Boy, we live in a sinful world, don't we? As a Christian, when you get to work, when you get around school, teachers, maybe classmates, maybe even when you gather with unsaved relatives and you start to talk about vile things and do sinful things, sometimes as a Christian, you just get fed up. You ever feel like you just need to get a spiritual bath and just to wash off the influence of the world from your mind and from your thoughts? I was, uh, from your thoughts. I was just discipling somebody tonight before church and we talked about how the world today, uh, and the devil and how he has constructed, uh, the society and the, the and the culture that we live in and, uh, and the, the environment that we live in. We think about how Satan has done such a good job in robbing Christians and not just Christians and people in general of their innocence. You think about children. Where at a young age, they'll hear curse words. This world is tainted. 
And so it boggles my mind, it confuses me sometimes when, I, when a Christian who's not of this world and whose residence is in heaven desires and longs for the things of the world. Can I remind you what Colossians chapter 3 says? Paul says, If ye be then risen with Christ, set your affections on things above and not on things on the world. Do you have a heavenly home tonight? If you're saved and you're going to heaven, you ought to be thankful. You ought to long to be with your Savior, Jesus Christ, and to worship Him face to face. We see that we all need a heavenly home, but we also need, secondly, a Christian home. Psalm 127, verses 1 to 5 says this, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate." Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. God wants every family to live for Him. If you're a Christian and you have in your family, your immediate family, your, your members, if all of them are saved, can I see your hand? Raise your hand. Man, you ought to be thankful. It is... It is a humble blessing to know that your family members are saved. I remember back in Bible college, I would meet Christians who attended uh, the school there, and I'd meet Christians who are studying for the ministry, and uh, they'd give me their testimonies of how uh, back at home, their mom and their dad told them that if if they were to go to Bible college, that they weren't going to get any support monetarily or even emotionally because they were unsaved. I, heard, I, I hear testimonies here at church where many of you uh, have unsaved parents and uh, they discourage you sometimes from being, coming to church or discourage you from getting baptized and, and joining the church and they discourage you from doing uh, you know, uh, ministry here at church. It's a hard thing when you're living with someone, a family member, a spouse, a parent, a child who's not saved. But yet it doesn't give us the opportunity to doubt that God is able to save them. God wants every Christian to have a Christian home. God wants us to pray for our family members to be saved, to pray that in the home that the husbands would love their wives and their wives would love their husbands. In our home, in a Christian home, we should desire to see parents loving their children and children loving their parents. We should see parents mentoring their children uh, according to the word of God and modeling before them the spiritual examples that they should follow. At home, we should find children that love uh, to uh, the, that love their parents and honor them and obey them and children who are getting along with their siblings every christian should strive to have a christian home god desires that all of us should have a home where there's love there's joy there's peace there's forgiveness a home where god is blessing and working at all times a home where god is first and jesus is glorified every christian should have a heavenly home a christian home but as we study our passage tonight notice how every christian should have a church home 
In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul writes to Timothy, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. The Bible teaches us that every Christian should be a part of the New Testament church. If you're saved, if you know that Jesus is your Savior, but you haven't been baptized and you haven't been added to the church, boy, I want to encourage you to make that this year, this year's your, uh, the, to be your spiritual goal. Let that be uh, something that you do and uh, the spiritual step that you take this year. You see, the church is not merely a building with four walls or a roof. The church is not merely a room with pews or stained glass. The church is the congregation of God's people. It is the local gathering of saved and baptized believers. The church is the spiritual home for the saints. I was door knocking a few uh, years back and I remember knocking on the door in Union City and uh, I, I knocked on the door and I asked a guy uh, if he went to church. I gave him, told him we were from Heritage Baptist Church and I told him that we'd like to invite him for church services and I asked him if he went to church and he said, yeah, I go to church. I said, where do you go? He says, here in my living room. I was like, man, must be nice. <laughs> Sarcastically, right? He says, yeah, I go to church in my living room. I said, oh, who's your pastor? He's like, um, I don't know, but he's on my TV screen every time I watch him for church. And uh, I began to talk to the, my partner at that time who went soul winning. And uh, I said, all right, well, we'd love to see you at our church sometimes. And we went our way. And uh, the guy that I was uh, with was fairly new to Christianity, getting discipled. And I just tried to tell him that, look, as a, as a Baptist and as a Biblicist, we believe in the local church. We believe in the local church. Why? Because if you don't go to a local church, think about, think about who's going to pastor you. Who's going to visit you when you have a need? How are you going to pray with other church members? Where are you going to send your tithes and your offerings? How are you going to be involved in the ministry? How are you going to participate of the Lord's table? And so as Baptists and as Christians and as Biblicists, we believe in the local church. Man, I'm thankful to be a part of this church. I'm thankful that we're in a church where Jesus is glorified and that Jesus, Jesus is worshipped. I'm thankful to be in a church where standards are held high for the Lord. I'm thankful to be in a church where the Bible is preached and prayers is being prioritized. I'm thankful to be in a church where the community is being reached with the gospel and souls are getting saved. I'm thankful to be in a church where missionaries are being sent and supported to start more churches. I'm thankful to be in a church where we have services, Sunday school classes, discipleship classes, and Bible studies. I'm thankful to be in a church where we have children's being taught, teenagers and college students to be the next leaders of our generation. I'm thankful for this church. And sometimes I believe that as a Christian, we take our church for granted. We think like like every church is like ours. We take for granted that there are Christians who don't have Sunday night services anymore. Churches where they don't have anything for their teens, anything for their college ministry, anything uh, for their uh, couples, for their children. Can I encourage you tonight to be thankful for the church? David, I believe, grew up in a godly home. If you study his life, you'll remember that his dad's name is Jesse, and Jesse was the grandson of Boaz and Ruth. David, at a young age, learned how to spend quality time with God. He knew how to walk with God. He knew how to pray. He knew how to wait on God and for God to speak to him in his spirit. 
And many a times David would be found in the wilderness or in the fields with his sheep, uh, spending time with God. That's where you'll get Psalm 23 from. But there are occasions where David actually went to the tabernacle to offer sacrifices to the Lord. In fact, the Bible teaches us in Psalm 1, uh, or in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 20 verse 6 that David's father frequently took his family to offer a sacrifice before God annually. He says in 1 Samuel 20 verse 6, If thy father at all miss me, then say David earnestly ask leave of me that he might run to Bethlehem his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. So David had, had, was accustomed and had opportunities and experiences to be at church. But did you notice that how David was balancing both of public worship with private devotion? You know, as a Christian, we cannot substitute our church services, attending church on Sunday, for our private devotions. It won't do it. It's like trying to eat three times for seven days. Could you imagine that? My son, my baby boy, he eats a lot. And I'm sort of scared to see how much he'll eat when he's grown up and all that. I mean, I think about my nephew, Aiden, and that boy can eat. As a Christian, you cannot live on just three services a week. You've got to develop your own discipline of taking God's word and feeding your soul spiritually. But at the same thought, with the same thought, with the same... Concept, you cannot substitute your church attendance with just devotions. You gotta come to church. David, in this context, uh, a lot of people correspond Psalm 27 with the time where David was running away from Saul. Let me outline David's wilderness journey for you. In 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, he was in, ca- in the cave of Adullam. In 1 Samuel 22, verse 5, he was in the forest of Hereth. In 1 Samuel 23, 14, he was in the mountain of the wilderness of Ziph. In 1 Samuel 23, 25, he was in the caves of Moan. And then in 1 Samuel 23, later on, he's in the wilderness in a cave in Engedi. In 1 Samuel 25, verse 1, he was in the wilderness of Paran. And then in 1 Samuel 26, he's back in the wilderness of Ziph. Now, some people have said that David was running away from Saul for about a few months, some even push it to about a year, and some even to about two years. But no matter how long David was away from his city and from his king being chased away from Saul, David would be in the forest, he would be in the caves, he would be in the wilderness. And you know what he's thinking about? Man, I miss church. I miss being able to offer sacrifices before God. I miss being able to hear the, the choir sing. I miss being able to uh, see the glory of God shown in the tabernacle. I miss being in the house of God. And as a Christian, there's something wrong when we don't want to be in church. As a Christian, there's something wrong when we purposely avoid being in the service at church. Let me also take this a step further. There's something wrong when a Christian is in church, but they wish to be somewhere else. Where Christians are, are thinking about uh, something else other than worshiping God, and Christians are enamored uh, with, with the things going on in the future or this coming week, or they're so consumed with their job or with their school or with their uh, whatever, whatever it is that they're thinking of, that they're not worshiping God at church. There ought to be an excitement like what David had 
to desire and to long and to be in the house of God. We see here a desired establishment. But secondly, notice with me here, a distinct encountering. Now here's something that we need to understand. Let's go back to Psalm chapter 27, would you please? Psalm chapter 27. We see here in verse number 4. He says, One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now there's a phrase there that I want you to, or the two words that I want you guys to look at. The first is the word behold, and the second is the word inquire. You see, when David was talking about being homesick for the house of God and the temple of God, David wasn't just talking about the physical structure of the tabernacle. He wasn't just talking about the location of the house of God. What David was talking about in his distinct encountering, in his desire to be in the house of God, was David was focusing on a person. David was longing for God's presence in his life. Have you ever left a church service where you found yourself saying, I met with God? Where you sense God's spirit working in your heart and you sense God speaking to you through the preaching of his word where your spirit was lifted up with the music and you were able to give of your, your offerings and your tithes and you enjoyed being at church. You went home and you said, man, I met with God. How often does that happen in your life? Did it happen last Sunday? Why doesn't it happen all the time? Why do we go to church and fail to meet with God? Is God not the reason why we come? Is God not the reason and the motive for our attendance here at church? Listen, I'm thankful for our orchestra. I'm thankful for our choir. I'm thankful for the people here at church. Most of you, just kidding. (laughs) I'm thankful to be at church. I'm here six days a week. I love it here. (laughs) I'm I'm praying that my son gets called to the ministry, that he'll he'll be in church for a long time. (laughs) But when we come to church, we're not seeking people. We're not here to hang out with our friends and our buddies. We're not here to show off what we can do. We're not here to just be here. We're here to meet God. And why doesn't that happen every time? I've asked myself this, and I'll be guilty of this. I I know I come to church sometimes, and I'm like, man, I didn't, you know, I was so busy serving God that I failed to meet Him. I believe here in our passage, and specifically verse number 4, we find three steps to making sure that we have a consistent encountering with God's presence. First, there must be a narrow focusing. He says in verse number four, one thing have I desired. Not many things. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will, uh, that will I seek after. He said there's a narrow focusing. 
the hymn Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus had become widely known in the, among the Christian churches and, and uh, the author and composer of that was Helen Lemmel and she relates on how she was inspired by a missionary friend from, in 1918 who had given her a track that was entitled Focused. And Helen Lemmel read that tract and that pamphlet and she opened it and there was a statement that just just gave a sobering thought to her. The statement said this, So then turn your eyes upon him, look full into his face, and you will find that the things of earth will acquire strange new dimness. With that statement, composer Helen Lemmel wrote the words to her song, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Folks, we need to come to church with the discipline of our hearts and minds to focus on the Lord. We ought not to be thinking about our friends uh, who are in social media. Uh, we ought not to be thinking about uh, what's going on at work that week. Or we ought not to be thinking about the sports game or whatever it is. We ought to be thinking about Jesus Christ. When we're at church, we ought to have a narrow focusing on the Lord, fixating our hearts upon Him. Our attention and our affection must be placed on the Lord. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, Draw nigh to God, uh, God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We must do all that is necessary in order to bring our attention to God. We must be willing to confront and remove anything that hinders us from enjoying God's presence. When you come to church, do you exercise a narrow focusing? Secondly, there we find here in verse number four, he says, one thing have I desired and that will I seek after. He says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. We see here a narrow focusing, but then it's followed by a necessary fixation. That word dwell means to sit, to abide, to reside. Now, husbands in the room, maybe you remember the time of your first date with your wife. How many of you guys remember your first date with your wife? Brother Hayes, you remember your first date with your wife? Awesome, good. I remember my first date with uh, Kat. It was um, it was with uh, it was with uh, our, our uh, school teachers, uh, our um, what do you call this? Our, our Bible teachers, and uh, they took us out to Wingstop. It was like uh, one of those chaperone days, and I was like, awesome, I love Wingstop, right? And so we sat together, and you know, I was like, man, I've got to make sure that I present myself properly to her. I want to make sure that I'm like not eating wrong or anything like that. Uh, and, and you know, for me, I get the bone in, right? I get the bone in. Uh, but that day, I think I got like boneless uh, chicken there at Wingstop, so that way I don't get anything dirty, you know, and stuff like that. But you know, when I'm, when I'm sitting down and I'm enjoying my first date with my wife, chaperone date, you know what I'm not doing? I'm not getting up and down. I'm not like, you know, talking to the other table. That's not what I'm doing. You know, what I'm doing is I'm here fixated in her presence. You know, as a Christian, we fail sometimes to be still and wait on God. We're such in a rush. We get our devotions and we say, all right, got to read my Bible today before church because somebody might ask me. And you say, okay, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, Lord, please bless my day, boom, up and going. But you didn't, you didn't dwell with him, you didn't reside with him, you didn't, 
You didn't give God an opportunity, as David often says in the book of Psalms, to search your heart, to expose in you what God wants you to see. A similar thought here is in John chapter 15, verse 4, when Jesus told his disciples, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. Do you see God in church? It's like when you're sitting at church, you know what it should feel like? God is sitting right beside you. I'll give you an example of how this happens sometimes. This happens to me, I'm sure it happens to pastors and other Christians here. And God says to my heart, he says, Erwin, I want you to see me today in church. And he says, you see that elderly woman coming in? She's really tired today. She's hurting, but she wants to be here. That's God working in her life. You could see God through that. Erwin, you see that you see that college student working hard, put an offering in the basket? That's me working. Erwin, you see that choir member singing? They live with an unsaved spouse. But she loves me. And she's here, worshiping and serving me. Do you see God at church? Do you sit still and when the preaching's being done, is God whispering to you and says, hey, you need this? <laughs> That's happened to me a lot of times. I don't need my wife to tell me I need this. I know God tells me to, that I need this message. You got to sit still and fixate yourself in the presence of God. And once you're there, don't let anything take you out of God's presence When you fellowship with God, He's able to speak to you. When you fellowship with God, He reveals His presence and His plan to you. When you fellowship with God, you're able to know who He is and what He desires. We see a necessary fixation, but then there's a nurturing fellowship. He says in verse number 4, One thing that I will seek after, that I may dwell, and then He says, to behold and inquire to behold and inquire, to fellowship with God. In 1 John chapter 1, he says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. David said, I miss church. You just picture him, he's in the wilderness, he's in the mountainside, inside a cave, there's a campfire right there, and there he could hear the brooks of water going down, and he's talking to himself, and he says, man, I, gotta, I miss church. I've been out of church for too long. I miss the house of God. I miss being able to sit down and fellowship with God at church. I miss being able to behold his holiness and his presence in the house of his, of his Lord. There was a desired establishment there's a distinct encountering but as we close notice to me a delightful experience what did he get out of his fellowship with god what did he get out of his encounterment with god what did he experience 
What did he receive? Well, he says in verse number two, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me and my heart shall not fear, though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. If you drop down to verse number five, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Many scholars and commentaries would say that this is a time where David was running away from Saul and Saul had found the position of where David was and he brought 3,000 men to surround the location where David was. David had about 600 men with him. But I know this and I'm not that smart but I can tell 3,000 is more than 600. If I had a football team... I'd want 3,000 men (laughs) going against 600. David says, I'm surrounded. I'm encompassed with enemies around me. But when I'm in the presence of God, it's a place of protection. Can I ask you? Have you been chased lately? Has the enemy been knocking at your door? Then be in church. The church is a place of protection. The church is where you find the presence of God and the presence of God is where you'll find protection and and security and shelter from sin and temptation. You'll find protection from guilt and discouragement. You'll find protection from doubt and fear and from anxiety and worry. Psalm 18.2, David writes, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. In Psalm 61, the psalmist writes, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me, and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. You know, when you come to church and you meet with God, you'll find shelter. You'll find protection. Church is where the presence of God is and in God's presence he found a place of protection. Notice with me also that the church in the presence of God is a place of praise. He says in verse number 6, Now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Church is a place where you're able to express worship before God. A place where you publicly bless His name. And in Psalm 104, the Bible teaches us to enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Church is a place for protection. A place of praise. But church is also a place for prayer. He says in verse number verse number 9, Oh, sorry, verse number 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me. And he answered me, and thou said, Seek ye my face. My heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face from me. It was a place of prayer. A place where he could pour out his heart before God. Where he could cry to God and he knows that God will answer him. A place where he can let everything become transparent before an almighty God. 
Psalm 88 verse 2 says, Let my prayer come before thee, incline thine ear unto my cry. Psalm 141 verse 2 says, Let my prayer be set uh, forth before thee as, as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. It's a place of prayer. And then we find here that it's a place of preaching. He says in verse number 11, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of mine enemies. You know, if you want to see how you can raise your children, if you want to know how to have a good marriage, don't look in the internet. Don't look at the TV. Don't watch Hollywood to find the methods or the examples of a godly home. Come to church. Receive God's word. Get preached to from God's counsel. Psalm, uh, Psalm 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover by them, by God's word, is thy servant warned. And in the keeping of them, in the keeping of God's word, God's statutes, God's counsel, there is great reward. That's why David said, man, what a delightful experience. I love church. I need church. Back in Canada, when I was just a new Christian, one of the things that I signed up for in my ministry was uh, uh, visiting uh, nursing homes. And um, there in the nursing home, we would take some of our choir members and uh, we would get an opportunity to sing to them, and uh, we don't know if all of them listened, <laughs> most likely not all of them, but there were times where people were engaged with us, and elderly folks were in their wheelchairs, or they would be sitting on the couch, and they'll sing along with us. And uh, I remember my very first time that I got to preach at a, uh, at a nursing home. Man, I had like my, my, my message, I had like studied, I prayed, uh, and then I even want to make sure, okay, I got to make sure I got to alliterate and all that stuff. And you know, Brother Stensis was just here, he's not the alliteration guy, I'm the alliteration guy, it's just how my mind works, I like A, B, C, 1, 2, 3 kind of deal. And so I got all of my notes done, and man, I got excited to preach, and I was preaching, and then there was this one person that was like, amen. I'm like, whoa, they heard me, <laughs> like, they were listening. And I kept preaching about the Bible, about heaven, about Jesus, and they're like, Amen. And afterwards, I talked to that person, and I said, You know, sir, I was just so thankful that you were engaged with the message, and uh, I was just so encouraged by you being here. And I said, Can I ask you, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Are you saved? And he says, Yep. He says, I've been saved for a long time. He says, I got saved when I was a kid, went to church, and then they stopped. They were like, church, I miss church. I miss church. I miss church. You know, we don't have church tomorrow, but I wish we did. Do we long for the house of God? Does our spirit and does our heart reflect an attitude that we're thankful for our church? I do know this, if you're thankful for this church, you'll bring people to church. <laughs> you'll be here as often as you can. And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but like I said earlier, there are times where we take our church for granted. There are times where our hearts and our affections 
is placed more in the world than it is on things of God. And tonight I want to encourage you, find yourself missing church. Not absent, but longing. Longing for church. Longing to be in the presence of God. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, thank you for tonight and thank you for your word. And I believe I've said everything that you want me to say and I pray that it was exactly what your uh, church, what your people needed. For anyone here, Lord, who is not saved, I pray that tonight they would not leave this place without knowing for sure that they have a heavenly home. Lord, for tonight, for maybe believers and church members who are saved but they don't have a Christian home, Lord, would you work in their hearts tonight and bring them to the altar so that they could pray for their lost loved ones. Lord, we pray for every Christian here tonight who is saved and they're a part of this church. Lord, help us. Help us to miss church, to long and yearn and desire to be in church, not merely because of what we do here, but because of who we meet, who we spend time with, who we encounter. I pray tonight, Lord, that we would hear from you. You'd speak to our hearts and challenge us and encourage us. And tonight, Lord, may we draw closer to you. With your head bowed and eyes closed as the piano plays, I invite you tonight to search your heart for a moment. You're here tonight and say, Brother Irwin, I needed this message. I've taken church for granted. I, I've been in church, but I haven't appreciated it as much as I should be. Brother Irwin, I, I love this church. Tonight, I want to recommit my faithfulness, my love, my gratitude for this church. Brother Irwin, would you pray for me that I will be faithful to this church? If that's you, can I see your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you're here tonight and say, Brother Irwin, I'm, I'm not sure that I have a heavenly home. If I died today, I'm not sure that if I was to pass away, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. I'm not 100% sure that I'm saved and forgiven but if you could pray for me I'd appreciate that if that's you tonight would you raise your hand I'd like to pray for you you say I'm not sure that heaven's my home but I want to know if that's you can I pray for you anybody like that at all well let's do this with your head bowed and eyes closed would you stand to your feet and maybe come forward tonight or there in your seat turn around families maybe come with your children with your spouses and just be thankful for the church maybe come tonight and pray for your pastor pray for Mrs. Fong pray for her church ministry pray for this church maybe tonight pray for another Christian who hasn't been in church for a while someone that you're close to who used to attend but they haven't been back would you lift their name up before the Lord tonight Let's be Christians who long, who desire to be in church. Lord, thank you for tonight and thank you for your word. Thank you for everyone here being in their place. Would you keep us safe as we go back home? And Lord, let your word ring in our hearts tonight. I pray, Lord, that this message would give us a new anticipation, a new excitement. Lord, a new zeal and a new passion for our church. Help us, Lord, to approach this Saturday, this Sunday, 
with an excitement that we get to serve you in this church. Help us, Lord, to come this Sunday ready and tender. And Lord, with purpose, wanting to worship you more than we ever have. Thank you for our church, Lord. Thank you for your people. Bless now, Lord, the decisions that are being made, the prayers that are being lifted. Be glorified through them all. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Be in prayer for Pastor Mrs. Foss. They make their way back here tomorrow. In fact, I think.